Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today. The weekend before the 4th of July, which of course for animal lovers is a sort of daunting week because we all anticipate the fireworks, of course, and how it's going to freak out a lot of animals. So we like to do a 4th of July show. I think probably, probably an annual thing now. I think we've been pretty consistent about that. And uh, going to be talking with Kat Albrecht, who is the founder and director of Missing Pet Partnership. And it's been years since we've had Kat on the dog show and uh, really looking forward to catching up with her, seeing what Missing Pet Partnership is up to. I know they've got some exciting new developments and uh, really look forward to catching up with her and giving you some information about Fourth of July safety and also just in general, really important regardless of time of year, some things to know if your pet goes missing. And there's differences between dogs and cats and their behavior and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get into some of that stuff, too. And then we're going to have a woman. uh, Her name's Hannah is going to call in a little bit later on in the show, and we're going to talk about her story of when her dog went missing in the mountains near Mount Rainier and uh, what she did in order to get him back. And uh, really, uh, we were, Darcy and I, my wife and I, were very closely involved with this because Hannah is a client of both of ours. And so we were able to, you know, try to help her actually get reunited with Noxos, her dog. And she was successful, but man, that was scary. So But before I talk with Kat, I just want to uh, tell you a couple of announcements. The Walk for Old Dogs is coming up here. Uh, Of course, a fundraiser for Old Dog Haven, one of our favorite organizations here locally. We have an Old Dog Haven final refuge dog living with us. Of course, if you listen to the show, you've heard about Lois. She's been with us for over two years now, and uh, they didn't think that she had that much much, uh, still to go, but... She does. Old Dog Haven gets old dogs out of shelters, uh, rescue situations. Uh, the dogs have to be eight years of age or older, and it doesn't matter how much time they have left. It's just a matter of getting them out of whatever stressful situation they might be in and getting them into a loving home to experience the rest of their life, whether it's days or weeks, months or years. Amazing organization. They cover all of the vet bills for the dogs. So as an old dog haven foster home, you just have to provide the space, the love and attention and, you know, trips to the vet, stuff like that. But old dog haven covers all the vet costs, which is awesome. So consider opening your home up to an old dog haven dog. There are unfortunately, there's unfortunately no shortage of dogs in need. You can go to odhwalkforolddogs.org or their main website, olddoghaven.org to find out more about their Walk for Old Dogs. This is their big fundraiser, so it's a really important thing to support. It is Sunday, July 17th, up in Shoreline this year at Cromwell Park, which is on Meridian Avenue North, about 180th and Meridian, just north of Seattle and Shoreline. 
and that's July 17th. Go to olddoghaven.org to find out more. You can also learn more from their Facebook page as well. And I wanted to send a shout-out to the Dog Film Festival and Tracy Hotchner, who I had on the show last week. The Dog Film Festival was last Sunday, and uh, we went to it, and it was great. It was two uh, hour-long uh, shows that were a sort of compilation of a of a bunch of shorter films, really ranging. There were some light, funny ones, some really touching, moving, you know, heartfelt, heartwarming stories. A really a great variety, great quality of programming, and it was a, a huge success. And I'm very proud of Seattle for the attendance that we showed. We really represented our love for dogs. So that was really fun. Uh, check that out, Dog Film Festival, and see where it may be coming near you. I definitely recommend checking that out. So, Eric. Yes. I, I'm just curious about the Dog Film Festival because I didn't have a chance to attend. Did yes. you have a favorite uh, film in the festival? There was uh, two films that, uh, I don't remember the names of it, but it, it, the main character was a dog named Helen. And it was, you know, Helen the dog or whatever, and they were really cute. That's the one that comes to mind. And then the other, the story about Hatchie, the dog uh, of the boy in the UK who had this three-legged dog. They're just like total total angels for each other. That's a that's a favorite, too. I had tripod. Yes. And, <laughs> and the boy has a disability where all of his muscles are constantly contracted all the time. Um. But I was familiar with that story before. It was really nice to see it again. There were a lot of good ones, though, lots of favorites. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I think we have Kat on the line to come on. Yes. Kat, you there with us? I am. Hi, Julie. Hi. Long time no talk. I know. <laughs> now, you're up in Canada now, right? Yeah, I'm actually living on uh, beautiful Vancouver Island. Ah. Well, you might be joined by a lot of Americans, depending on how the election goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear I hear they're building a wall. Yeah, yeah, they should. <laughs> Keep the Americans out. <laughs> yeah. Well, um yeah, it's been it's been a few years now and I'm really looking forward to hearing about all the new stuff that you have going on with Missing Pet Partnership. Um even, you know, when I have some I think a couple recently approached me in my neighborhood and they were out, you know, you can kind of tell when there's people out looking for a lost pet because they have this sort of a posture and expression of worry and you know have you seen our cat and handed us a flyer and every time that happens to me I'm always directing people to missingpetpartnership.org for all of the important information that is on there to help people successfully reunite with lost pets mostly to understand Oh, one of the big things is really understanding the behaviors of lost pets. Is it an indoor cat, outdoor cat, you know, dog? What's the temperament? All that kind of stuff. So definitely check out their website, missingpetpartnership.org, for important tips. Uh, Later on in the show, Kat, I'm going to have a woman on who's going to share with us a story of her dog who went missing in the mountains and how uh, through the help with missing pet, the information from Missing Pet Partnership, uh, we were able to get him back. So we'll look Yay. forward to that later in the show. Yeah, it was a good, it was a happy ending to that one. Hmm. So you, now how long has it been since you founded Missing Pet Partnership? Yeah, well, gosh, I founded MPP back in 2002 when I was living in California. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to the Seattle area in 2008. Um, and first moved not knowing anybody and then um, you know I, I knew the vision that I had 
was we wanted to test out the concept of a community-based lost pet search and rescue team. And so I, uh, as soon as I got there or you know arrived in the area, I began recruiting volunteers and we began training a team of search dogs. Uh, both cat detection dogs that we ultimately used to go out and search for missing cats and scent trailing dogs that we used to track the scent trail of lost dogs. So we began that training in 2008, and we launched that program about a year and a half later. It takes um, about 18 months to train a dog to track the scent trail of lost dogs. So we went um, between 2009 and 2012 was when we ran that program. And uh, we successfully went out and helped many people um, find their missing dogs and cats and learned a lot of new techniques and trapping techniques. And, and uh, so it, it really, the program really evolved while we were there in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've since moved on from there, but uh, there still are some active pet detectives in the area and a lot of volunteers, just really great resources in the area there mm-hmm. for missing pets. And you have a background in scent detection. Yeah, I was a, a police officer and, and bloodhound handler in um, uh, in 1996 when my police bloodhound went missing. This is when I was living in Santa Cruz, California. Mm-hmm. And so when my bloodhound was missing, I, I panicked and I called the, the sheriff's department to have them come help me look for my bloodhound because I... I'd used my bloodhound to help them on many cases to find missing people. And yet when I called and asked for help to find AJ, they said, we're really sorry. We can't help you. We're only sanctioned to look for people. Uh And so I was like, great. So I hung up the phone and I called my friend Jeannie that I had helped to train her golden retriever to track people. So we knew her dog was, was fully trained in scent discrimination trailing. We knew her dog would understand smell, the pillowcase and follow the scent trail of the missing person because she had done that on many cases but we didn't know if she'd understand smell the stinky blanket and find my dog right <laughs> but she did she tracked uh, my bloodhound aj down in 20 minutes and found them and that was a paradigm shift in my life that yeah. made me realize we need to train dogs to find lost pets and we need to be actively going out and helping people search for their missing pets and yeah and, uh, yeah. And educating people that that is just I mean, I have learned so much from Missing Pet Partnership and our conversations over the years, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the signage, you know, how to properly make a sign, you know, all that information. And you can go to their website, missingpetpartnership.org for all of that really important information. Don't call your dog's name. I mean, how yeah. you know how many times do you hear that? Sparky, you know, and it's yeah. like that'll drive them further away potentially. So, yeah, well, that that even that I mean that really pertains to any time you see a stray or or a loose dog. Do not look at the dog. Do not call the dog, which is really hard to do. And it took us many um, failures to to realize this yeah. and to realize that there's a better way. And I have a, a video on YouTube that demonstrates you know how and why you shouldn't call a dog. And what basically the reason is is because Many dogs, when they escape or get out, they're in fight or flight mode. And when their adrenaline is pumping and they're afraid, anybody that claps their hand or the first person that whistles at them or calls them mm. or claps their hands, um, the dog, while it's in that fearful state, begins to associate those sounds 
with the fear that they're experiencing because they're disoriented, they're running, they may almost get hit by a car. Right. And so then anybody afterwards who whistles or calls them or claps their hands or pats their leg, uh, potentially that can be a trigger to cause the dog to bolt and run. Right. Uh, even the owner. And so what we encourage people to do, and this is really important to keep it in mind, especially with Fourth of July coming up, if you see a, a stray dog, the best thing you can do is drop down to your knees, get get down on the ground as low as you can. Sometimes we've even had success in laying flat on the ground. Um, I like to use nummy, nummy, nummy sound, like mm, nummy, nummy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason is, is nummy, nummy, lip smacking noise is a universal language that dogs understand. Yeah. And if instead of looking at the dog and going towards the dog, instead, if I have a crinkly bag, even I've just used like a pluck bag once, that's all I had, but I think, and if you can have treats and anybody that's into rescue, uh, I would suggest beginning July 1st to July 7th, carry a potato chip bag in your car. Uh, and then if you could put hot dog bits or, or uh, other types of dog treats or whatever inside of it, just keep it in your car that if you see a loose dog, you can drop down to your knees, say nummy, nummy, nummy. As you you can watch the dog out of the corner of your eye, mm-hmm. but your face should be facing down on the ground. Because what the dog sees, and the dog hears nummy, nummy, looks and sees you eating food that you're accidentally dropping. Oops, I dropped a piece. You're dropping food on the ground and you're ignoring the dog, right. which means you're not a threat to the dog. And you can then coax that dog. You can throw a piece at the dog um, and then coax them to come up closer to you. And we have caught countless dogs like that. Yeah. And uh, a lot of dog owners that their dogs were in a panic. The first thing they did, they called the dog, it bolted and ran. Then they called us back and said, oh, we couldn't help ourselves now. What do we do? Yeah. And we re-explained what to do, and they were able to catch the dog that way. Yeah. Well, you have um, you have a study that you're doing now, uh, sort of your some of your new news. You're, you've partnered yeah. with the university, is that right? Yeah, we partnered with the actually University of Queensland in Australia. We're mm. conducting um, a missing cat study. Um, you know, in in the past, we have looked at patterns of behavior. First of all, we've observed patterns of behavior for several years that many indoor only cats that escape outside don't travel very far. Yeah, and that they're often recovered very close to home. And and when I first began looking for missing pets back in 19, <laughs> missing pets. Back in 96 and 1997, I I didn't know this. Nobody had researched this. This type of work wasn't being done with lost cat recovery. And so it was a process where we learned that many of these cats were hiding in silence nearby. And so we looked at our stats from the cases from between 2009 and 2012, where we worked cases in Seattle. And we saw that over 85% of the indoor-only cats that escaped outside were found hiding nearby. Well, we and we then have been approached and asked, well, can you tell us what scientific study, you know, how did you conduct this study? And it's like, no, this is just preliminary study information. And so uh, the University of, of Queensland said, we want to partner with you. We want to do an actual bona fide study. So it's up on our website. So what we're encouraging and getting the word out is if you've lost a cat, mm. uh, even if you've never found your cat, but if you lost a cat, especially if you lost a cat and then found it, please, please go to our website, missingpetpartnership.org. If you scroll down, you see the picture of a, of a gray cat and it says missing cat study. You click on that and read through it. It takes about 15 minutes of your time. But the data from this is going to help us 
to have to, by having a actual study like this, it's going to legitimize the issue of lost cats that they're a major contributing factor to the over uh, pet population, to the shelter population, to mm-hmm. feral cat populations, and that we can save many cats' lives in shelter that end up in shelters by helping families find their missing cats before they ever end up in a shelter. Right. Yeah, I know you said that. Uh, now, is this study for uh, people with any, you know, indoor cats or cats that go outside as well, or just indoor Either. cats? Yeah, any any, any cat. Okay. Any cat, because what we're all we're looking, the study will tell us that a lost cat will travel, and the best methods used. So we've got a series of questions in there of you know what methods did you try, what did you do, and and yeah. I remember you saying um, that, especially for indoor cats, you know, cats that are indoor only, and then they get out, and they might they might be more likely to be fearful that they are so often either in their own yard or in a neighbor's yard and people are off, you know, scouring the neighborhoods and the cats will just stay there and stay there and stay there. And I remember you saying, you know, get a flashlight, get down, look underneath porches, underneath stairways, you know, because cats can be kind of tucked way back in there and they'll just stay there. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, again, that's come over time that we've learned this, but we also have learned that there is a correlation between the temperament of the cat. And so, mm-hmm. again, that's what this study is going to confirm because we're asking participants, you know, tell us the temperament of your cat. Cool. Because it's, it's the it's the real skittish, super shy cat that when, and when you ask the question, what does your cat do when a stranger comes in the home? And if they say he runs and hides under the bed and doesn't come out for a while, that cat, when it escapes outside, is likely going to find the first place that it can hide. It's going to hunker down and not move. Right. Other cats with the more gregarious temperament, ones that aren't you know, real fear, fearful, the ones we call like a curious clown cat, those are the ones when they get outside, they may end up traveling. And so, but what we have discovered is that when we tell people that the way you look for a cat is by crawling on your hands and knees, looking in and under every hiding place on your property and the houses on either side and behind you. Uh, and, and when we describe this behavior and the tendency that this is how close these cats, these, especially the displaced indoor only cats that get outside are, then that changes the owner's focus. And they are often, they, they go and search the same place they've searched before and then suddenly realize the cat is there. You mm. know, it's, it's puffed up in a ball looking at me, but he's not responding and he's not coming to me. Right. But um, yeah, so it's really, um, it's really valuable information. But again, the study is just going to confirm this and, and um, hopefully give us even more info that we yeah. haven't had before. This. And so people can participate this from anywhere in the world? Yeah, we've actually already had people from uh, Hong Kong, Spain, obviously Australia. Um, and yeah. then I've been doing some promoting in Canada. But uh, we've already so far, we just launched the study, I think, two weeks ago, and we've already had close to 900 people participate oh, so far. Yeah. And so, but we want more because yeah. the more data you can have, the yep. more, you know, the better it is. Cool. Yeah. And so people can go to missingpetpartnership.org and just look for the, the missing cat study to participate yes. in that. Cool. Yes, please. Well, and, and we will be collecting, excuse me, we'll be collecting the data until December. Oh, good to know. And so. So, yeah, so okay. it will be an ongoing study up until that time. So, cool. yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk uh, when we come back about uh, some more Fourth of July safety type stuff and back to dogs. 
Uh, but if you have a cat that has gone missing, whether you've been reunited successfully or not, definitely check out missingpetpartnership.org and participate in their missing cat study to help us just even get more educated about that behavior and get more cats reunited rather than ending up in shelters or even worse, uh, you know, dying out out uh, on their own. So we'll be right back with Kat Albrecht. She's the founder of Missing Pet Partnership. You can find them online, missingpetpartnership.org. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This Sunday, July 3rd, it's the Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. I'll have a number of different interviews with local shelters and rescues, plus I have something special in mind, but it's not confirmed yet, so you'll have to tune in to find out what. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we are back with Kat Albrecht, who's the founder of Missing Pet Partnership. You can go to their website, missingpetpartnership.org. If you ever are in the unfortunate position that you or someone you know 
has lost a pet, this is a very, very, very helpful resource to get some really important information on how to successfully be reunited with your pet. I cannot emphasize that enough. So definitely recommend missingpetpartnership.org. And also they have the uh, missing cat study that we were just talking about in the last segment. So if you have ever lost a cat, had a cat go missing, uh, whether you were able to be reunited or not, um, this is a great, uh, great study to participate in to help them gather in a more formal way uh, some information to just ultimately help more people and cats be reunited after they go missing. So Cat has a book that has been re-released. Um, I interviewed Cat years ago about uh, the Missing Pet Chronicles, and that is now Pet Tracker and is also now available on an audiobook, which is cool. And uh, it's just a revised edition of Cat's story and experience, and it's a really great read. Definitely check that out. It's called Pet Tracker. And Kat, you're also still teaching your courses, your missing animal response courses, except now they are a webinar. So people can yeah. do it, you know, participate from anywhere. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the um, when, when I was in living in the Seattle area and was we taught the MAR course in person. It was like a six-day course. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people from other parts of the country were not able to afford to fly out to Seattle to come and take the training. And so one thing that happened in 2012 when we ended our local search and rescue team program, we then shift gears and I worked on developing and then launching the online course. So that then opened the door for Missing Pet Partnership to take our training national, even internationally, because I've since trained people from Ireland, Italy, Canada, uh, Australia, um, and one from Japan. And so it's it's a course that you're you're able to um, you know basically the web the pre recorded webinar is emailed to you. You work through the the training materials and watch videos. And then you're able to, um, uh, we, we have a meeting once a week where I debrief and answer. And it's really been um, a blessing for Ben and all over. I uh, just and, lost you and, there for, uh, just lost you there for a couple seconds. Um, what was uh, that? The, just that last part that you said. Well, I. Uh, that um, the, the training has really helped a lot of people that have, you know, to learn more skills, how to, you know, search for missing dogs and cats. And, and um, you know, there's many things that we cover in it. We talk about the, the lost pet behaviors. We cover forensics. We cover, mm. you know, creative traps because oftentimes some dogs aren't going to go into a regular humane dog trap. And so there's different type of traps you can build. And mm. so it's just a, a lot of great information. Um, it's a, um, there's two different options. If you're volunteering, you can take the volunteer version. Uh, it's an eight-week course for $350. If you're planning on training a dog to find lost pets and you want to do this as a, as a business, then it's a 10-week course, and that's $600. But the, cool. the information on how to register is on my catalbert.com offer website. Okay, and that's K-A-T-A-L-B-R-E-C-H-T. Correct. Okay. So 4th of July is coming up, and yeah. I'm always um, 
like, you know, the fireworks will start here shortly in our neighborhood, I'm sure. And I just always cringe when I hear them because I know how many animals are, you know, cowering under a bed or in the bathtub or something like that or busting through a screen and then getting out and becoming a lost pet. And I know that Missing Pet Partnership, when you guys were still here, used to work with the local shelters and would actually set up a um, tent and be outside the shelter, like on location the days before and after the 4th, because it is such a busy time. People are really coming in in, uh, you know, higher numbers. Uh, You know, my pet's my pet's missing. My pet's missing. Is it here? You know, all that kind of stuff. And you guys were working really closely with the shelters and with those individuals to really help facilitate them getting reunited. So what are some things that you can just recommend for people? Fourth of July kind of safety tips. Yeah. You know, it's uh, if you have recently adopted a dog or if this is a dog that this will be your first uh, experience of going through Fourth of July with, you even if you have never had a dog before that's been reactive to fireworks, you don't know how this dog is going to react. Right. And you really, really need to take uh, take it seriously to, um, to to take precautions to have this dog crated, have some music playing inside the house, uh, if at all possible, stay home. Definitely, if you go to watch fireworks or go somewhere, don't take your dog with you. Yeah, say that one again, because I'm always like, ah, why did you bring your dog here? It's like the worst (laughs) place you can take your dog. I mean, even if if you're thinking that your dog uh, isn't going to react, you don't know for certain that that somebody's not going to set off a firework very close to your dog. And especially if you have a just a normal flat collar on your dog, they can so easily pull out of a collar. Unless if you have a martingale or a special type of collar that, that it's impossible for the dog to pull out. Right. We get so many cases where people, they have a, a collar and ID tags on their dog. And when their dog backs out of their collar Ugh. and takes off running, then suddenly you have a dog with no ID on it. Right. Especially if it's not microchip, right. then you have a huge, huge problem and a reduced chance of getting your dog back. Mm. So I would say, obviously, make sure you have ID tags uh, on your dog's collar that you ha- that your dog is microchipped, and if it's microchipped, make sure that the information is updated. Make sure it's registered. So many people end up adopting a dog or having a dog that they that they know is microchipped, but they think that just because the chimp chip is in the chimp, <laughs> <laughs> they think because the chip is in there that it's like a GPS or something. Yeah. They don't work that way. It's a, it's a the a microchip is like the size of a grain of rice. That that when you take a microchip scanner and wave it over the top of it, it will activate the scanner with a like a serial number. But that serial number, you have to have your dog registered with a microchip company. Mm-hmm. The best way you can check this is take your dog to your vet, have them scan for the chip, and then have them check the chip number. Or you can, uh, there's a website called uh, Pet Microchip Lookup. Dot org mm. again that's pet microchip look up dot org or you could just google pet microchip lookup mm-hmm. and and that's one where you can type in your microchip and it will type in a microchip and it will tell you what company that microchip belongs to whether mm. it's home again or avid or right. point for pet watch and then you can call, and it gives the, I believe, the toll free number, and you can then call that company. So this is if you find a dog that you 
can't take and scan and have that microchip. But the other way you can make sure that your dog's microchip is registered is have your vet scan your dog's chip and then call the phone number of the company, whether it's Home Again or Avid, and give them that number and, and verify that they have all your contact information. Because if they don't, then your dog may end up in a shelter but never get back to you because they they don't have your registration information. Right. And a lot of times people ask me, you know, hey, you know, my my dog just really, really is fearful of fireworks. It's just a horrible time of year for him. And, you know, what do you what do you recommend for that? And I really if you have a dog that I mean, there's there's um varying degrees of it. Some dogs yeah. will respond to more mild forms, you know, calming forms, uh, mm-hmm. aromatherapy, the right. rescue remedy, those types of things. Uh, Farm Dog Naturals, one of our partners, has a great line of products. One of those is, a, is an aromatherapeutic product called Relax, which yeah. we have had great success with. Um, yeah. But it, there's degrees of it. So some dogs, when they get really freaked out, and the fireworks are just sort of debilitating for them, you know, talk to your vet about getting some sort of medication that's just going to help your dog get through this time. There's no, there's no reason not to do that. And it can really just help make the time easier for your dog. So um, I don't know. I found people, I guess I understand it, but where they're sort of, you know, hesitant to do that kind of thing, but you know, especially if it's just for a short period of time, you know, just to get through the fourth, you know, the third, fourth and fifth or whatever, when everyone's yeah. setting them off. Um, talk to your I, vet about options, too. Yeah. I, and I would actually say start now. I would I would make a point of going mm-hmm. your vet now yeah. to get that. And and be aware that now is actually the time when people are often starting to set off the fireworks. Right. You know, it's when you're, people are expecting it to happen on the 4th, but many times suddenly somebody went and bought all their firecrackers or whatever, and suddenly here you are walking your dog on July 1st, and, yep. and your dog ends up uh, getting loose. Yeah. And so just, this is just a critical time to, to make sure that you have the proper identification on your dog and that you're, and I would, I just love Martingale collars. You know, they're, they're a flat type collar, but they, but your dog cannot wiggle out of them. Right. Another, another thing that I recommend is if you don't have an an ID tag and you're just not going to have time to go down to PetSmart, I have actually taken a piece of white paper and and wrote on it with a black Sharpie, the name of my dog and my phone number and wrapped it around her flat nylon collar with packing tape. And it's actually, I did that July 1st of last year mm-hmm. and it's still on her collar and oh, I'm wow. doing it test to see how long it will last. It's a great way when you're transporting a rescue dog or something, a dog yeah. that you, if you don't have time to make an, an ID tag, this is a cheap, easy, quick way to put a phone number on your dog. And it, it, there's no excuse not to do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, all, lots of great tips. Again, you know, don't take your dog to the fireworks in the first place, regardless, even if your dog's not afraid of fireworks, but those are loud. That can't be good for their ears. And then the other thing is if you have a new dog, a dog especially who you've not been through a 4th of July type event with before and you don't know how this dog is going to respond I really encourage you, regardless of what fun things are going on, to stay home with your dog because you don't know 
Worst case scenario is that, you know, some dogs really, really lose it. They get really freaked out and they just go nuts. And we wouldn't want your dog hurting themselves in a crate or busting through a window or something like that. So and then a great idea, Kat, to start now if if you do have a dog who you know is really, really upset by the fireworks, get something on board now as far as uh, medication or something like that to help take the edge off. I know in my neighborhood, the fireworks start before the 4th, that's for sure. And the 4th this year is on Monday, so we've got a whole weekend of 4th of July celebrations. So I think this year especially, we've got a good few days before the actual holiday that we'll be hearing all that noise. We're going to talk with a, after we come back from break, with a woman named Hannah, who's a client of Darcy and ours, and she had an experience with her dog, Noxos, who uh, got lost in the mountains of right around Mount Rainier, and uh, she was reunited with him. She did a really amazing job, and I'm looking forward to sharing the story, Kat, with you and with the audience, because there were a lot of things that she did right that had she not done, she wouldn't have been reunited with him. So these are really important things to be aware of. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. I step off the train I'm walking down your street again And past your door The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This summer, pack up the dog bowls and head to the Lodges on Vashon. Just a 20-minute ferry ride from West Seattle, Vashon Island is the perfect quick getaway for you, your family, and your furry friend. The Lodges on Vashon has 16 freestanding contemporary lodges, two communal spaces, and plenty of outdoor space to enjoy with your pooch. Go to lodgesonvashon.com for more information, because sometimes your dog needs a vacation too. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We're back with Kat Albrecht of Missing Pet Partnership, missingpetpartnership.org. She has missing animal response courses that are webinars. If you want to train your dog to search for lost pets, you can do that from anywhere in the world now. And you can find all that information uh, of that information on her website, catalbrecht.com. And I'll post a link to that on our website as well. If you can't write that down, uh, which is, of course, dogradioshow.com. And also check out Kat's book, which is called Pet Tracker. A great book uh, it tells her story of uh, her history working with uh, scent, uh, scent tracking bloodhounds and how she got into the business of finding lost pets, using dogs to find lost pets. And then also on the line with us, we have Hannah in Seattle to talk about her experience with her dog Noxos. And uh, when Hannah, you and Noxos were hiking and 
Noxos went missing and the sort of harrowing uh, 12 or so hours, right, that were spent uh, uh, in trying to get back to him. So, Hannah, thanks for joining us today as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad to be here. So tell us a little bit. Um, so Noxos is half Silken Windhund and half Australian Shepherd. Correct. He's a very, very stunning dog. I mean, he's like a showstopper. You see that dog and you're like, oh, my gosh, what is that? He's amazing. Um, and he was a adolescent when yep. this happened. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about, um, you know, you're out hiking with him and, and he's off leash and, and he was sort of newly off leash, right? You had had some successful yeah. hikes with him. And you were your yep. confidence was growing in him about his ability to handle being off leash with you in that area. Yes. Um, so in general, when he's in a quiet surrounding area, um, when it was he was off leash, he did pretty well on the hikes. He his recall was good. Um, actually, it was very good. And he would always be coming back to basically he's a herding breed, so he'd be coming around hurting you. Um, but what kind of went wrong in this setting was that. There were hikers coming down the path um, as I was going up the path, and there was actually a tree that looked like it had been hollowed out, and these three guys actually started kicking in the tree um, to try to, I mean, they were basically causing a disturbance. They they spooked Noxos with the noise and then, um, I guess, their body movement, and they're kicking in the tree to see if they could knock it down as some people like to do, mm-hmm. um, and he got spooked, and he actually bolted and took off. Um, his MO in general, um, and he's he's the type of dog that's he's pretty shy uh, he, to new people and strangers, but his MO is um, he usually freezes, or his, it's a flight and then a freeze mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, so he took off and hid, and he didn't come back um, what I had started to do, because, of course, I then at the point of the trail that I had serviced, I called my mother, I called everyone, and had the conversation. They're like, just call his name, which is, I don't know if you've talked about this yet, but yes, it's quite have. possibly one of the um, things that I now know that you shouldn't do yep. um, when you spook a dog or spook an animal that gets away from you, because they might think that it is the, like, that it's, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't want to come back, and they're scared of that. So I was calling his name for, I was going up and down the trail for, it probably amounted to about two hours. And then I finally called um, you and Darcy, actually, or I think, or my mom actually might have called you guys Mm -hmm. at that point. But I didn't have much service. And so they drove to meet me, and or you guys drove to meet me. And then um, from your knowledge of the process, and you were talking, I think, at that time with... um, uh, a, a gentleman that had a tracking dog as well. Jim Branson, Cat, you know him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Which was great. So he was giving you a bunch of details of what to do. So I think the biggest thing that helped was um, a lot of what he said was to basically hike the trail back and forth around the area, have conversations with yourself, um, bringing out words that you would like usually have around, like conversations you would usually have around him. So um, all of us were having conversations with each other, bringing up like other dogs' names that Noxus recognized, and um, right, we were like, "Where's Zoe? Like, Zoe? Yeah, His, to, to your roommate's Zoe, dog. Rover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the co- my coworker's dog as well." Mm-hmm. Um, and then we left a blanket and some of our um, some things with our scent 
on it out there on a trail. So it so, was like night dark. Yeah, it was 10 p.m. By the time night, that we October. got out there. Yeah. By the time that we got out there, it was night. We had to hike up uh, to find you even. I don't even know. It's a miracle that we even found you. I have no. I mean, yeah. I go back so, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, the way to explain this is like the trail, the trail, the drive up the trail to get to the trail was terrible. Yeah. Um, so it was very, I mean, it was pretty remote. And of course, like I started hiking at 11 a.m. that day and right. he disappeared around 1, 1 p.m., I guess is the best time to explain it. And this is 10 o'clock at night that we're looking for him. Right. So he had been gone a good 12 hours. Just scared, had not come out. Um so we did all this. We we hiked back up and down the trail with you guys, and then we decided, like, hey, we're going to call Jim, and we're going to see if he can get his dog out here in the morning, and he was able to do that. But some of the advice he gave me before was um, go home, leave, come back um, if you can't sleep in your car, which I didn't feel safe doing, so don't I didn't do that. Um, but went home and then came back. I got there around... 6.30 a.m. in the morning. So mm-hmm. right, like when I, it was guaranteed that no one else was on the trail. No one was going to be around. There weren't going to be any like extra um, distractions for him. And I hiked up and down the trail twice and just had a conversation with myself. Just like, like I was just having a regular day-to-day conversation with myself, right. basically, yep. bringing in a lot of things. And then I went and sat at the trailhead for about another 30 minutes, uh, around 7.30 in the morning at this point in time and listened to an audio book. And then I went back down into my car because I was waiting for Jim to arrive. And Noxos just comes trotting down and just jumps on right into my car. Yeah. Um, like, oh. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it totally had to do with the fact that he was frightened and that his mechanism was to hide. And he was waiting for a safe time, I think, and then hearing me with no one around yeah. and waiting it out for a little bit more. And then tracking my scent back to the car is what um, got him there. So let's and, let's hear what yeah. Cat Cat. What do you think about his timing? Where it's you know all afternoon, all evening, you know we're out there, you know stopped calling his name, just talking like normal, yeah. just hanging yeah. out, um, and then and then it's the next morning. And and Hannah's just, you know, hanging out after she had been there for a while. So he must have known that she was there. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden. So what do you think about this as far as uh, getting some insight into his behavior and what was going on? Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. Um, You know, that you did all the right things after consulting with Jim and, um, you know, that you that again, like we had mentioned earlier, that calling the dog and calling the dog's name, it's it's not only the your voice inflection is probably going to have a sense of fear and panic in right. it when this would happen. Yeah. <laughs> if it was me, that's because I've been there before. Yeah. Um, but but it's also that when you are simply just talking in normal tones, and we've discovered this when we've gone out on searches for missing cats as well, that if we're just talking and having a conversation with each other, or like we take the cat owner with us on a search, when you're talking in normal tones, that is oftentimes when the cat is going to respond as opposed to when you're, you know, fluffy or feasty, you know, calling the animal. Um, And, and definitely it takes time for the dog to get all of that adrenaline, that fight or flight mode to dissipate and then to calm down enough. And even the olfactory portion of the brain of a dog or cat will shut down when they're in that fight or 
and that's mode. their sense of so smell. That's why that we've had, yeah, exactly. We've had times when the you know dogs they don't even recognize their owner's own scent, but then when they've had enough time to calm down or or, or um, yeah to, to actually calm down, they the owners have reported they've seen this sudden recognition in the dog. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was the, the switch was turned on and the dog realized, oh my gosh, it's you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely we've had so many cases of dogs getting lost out in the wilderness like that, that they will oftentimes pick up the scent trail on the trail. So we often do have the owners leave, you know, a scent luring. Oh, we did that like too. The, yeah. Dog uh-huh. blanket or something yeah. with the dog scent or with yeah. your scent. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what do you, and that, well, go ahead. Well, what do you think about his, um, the, so she had been there for, an hour and a half or so mm-hmm. and you know was walking up and down the trail and just kind of talking normally and not you know and then yep. was and then was just hanging out down by the car and that was when he approached her versus yeah. when he first when he first heard her or whatever what, what right. do you think was going on there after spending a cold night out you know near the base yeah. of mount rainier by himself yeah well, so it's hard to, you know, obviously sure. it's hard to know exactly what happened, but my guess would be that when she sat down for a length of time, the, the longer you stay in one place, you're depositing more of your scent in, in what is called a scent pool. Mm-hmm. So the more scent will be saturated in the area as you breathe and, and sit there, or even walk, when you walk around, you're going to you're gonna leave a cloud of scent as you walk, but the longer you stay in one place, Kind of like that cartoon pig pen, it just expands and right. becomes a bigger cloud of scent. So huh. more than likely there was a, and who knows which way the wind was blowing. It may be that he finally picked her scent up. I don't know whether he was obviously moving around there in the morning and then picked up the scent and came down, or if he had laid down and then, you know, picked up the, the air scent and, and then came down to the vehicle. But many times we have seen these dogs lost in the woods that the owners will drive back to the parking lot the next morning and the dog's there waiting for them in the parking lot. In the parking so they, lot, huh? Yes, where the vehicle last was. So, yeah. I mean, their noses are so powerful. They can do so much more amazing things than you know, than we can really understand and comprehend. But but you're so fortunate, Hannah, that you had oh, like Jim Branson. Uh, and then there's also Bonnie Belt, uh, who's with Roaming Paws. She's down in the uh, uh, Puyallup area. And then the Lost Dogs of King County uh, Facebook page. There's right. just a lot of great, great resources in the Seattle area right now if people lose their pet. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was amazing. It was quite a process to to experience with you. And I remember, I mean, it was just a horrible drive back to Seattle, you know, when we're just like, oh, you know, going back without the dog. And then yeah. we were getting ready to come back down there and we got that um text from you that you had found him and we just were like wow you know like oh yeah. my gosh yeah. I'm so relieved yeah exactly and I met Jim's dog too because Jim was coming up the trails I was going down and it, I mean he mm-hmm. was so excited yeah. it was pretty cool yeah yeah good well great well thanks Hannah so much for joining us and sharing your story with Noxos and uh you know helping us paint a picture of how this can actually look and uh you know it's something to consider as um if you have a skittish dog, uh, because he was great as long as nothing spooked him. And then you've got these, this group of guys kicking in a stump and he just was like, Oh, no way. And took off. Definitely. I recommend a very long lead instead. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. And I recommend a, uh, considering a GPS collar. Yeah. Uh, for well, a dog with that with that type of temperament, that if yeah. they ever get loose again, then you would know you would quickly be able yeah. to pinpoint exactly. Where and he's an explorer, which is very strange for his personality. But yes, I have recommended or thought about getting that. It's just in the situation where you don't have signal, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Which would, yeah. yeah. But I completely agree. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you'd think that there'd be some that are like satellite up, you know, where mm-hmm. you wouldn't be you wouldn't be um, reliant yeah. on I'm, that. I'm sure it's being developed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly yeah. a need for it. All right. Yeah. Well. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today and give Noxos a big kiss from Darcy and I. You know we love him. I will. Sounds good. Thank All you, right. Julie. Thanks. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. All right. So, yeah, really interesting. The timing of that is really curious to me, Kat, about how, you know, she was there after a long night alone in a cold night and he yeah. wa- and how he waited and, yeah. and that she sat sat down and, I, you know, who knows what. I, I do remember when you said that, that we had left a couple of dog blankets right down at the trailhead, right at the parking lot. Um, yeah. But it was just a like a really curious thing, kind of going back and thinking about it from from a dog behavior perspective. You know, what what made that, well, you know, what made him do it yeah. like that? When when dogs are panicked, whether it's by somebody kicking a stump or firing a, a gun or fireworks, um, they they will run. Uh, depending on the dog, of course, not all dogs are going to be reactive like that, but right. they will bolt and run, and they they just run in a blind panic, and and so they can run a great distance. One of the one of my favorite stories of a Fourth of July recovery was um, at when we had the booth set up at the shelter in Kent, and a woman came and said that her giant, uh, her Great Dane. German Shepherd mix, and it basically looked like a giant German Shepherd mm-hmm. that, that had a red, white, and blue bandana on, had escaped and missing. Um, he was missing in Issaquah, and we told her how to do an intersection alert with the big signs and using right. the 5 plus 5 plus 55 rule, the, the signs that we recommend that you make. Yeah. She used those, and somebody pulled over and said, I just saw a dog like that, but it was down, it was like 20 miles away wow. in a different, different town, I think down in Kent. And so she drove down there, her and her son, and a, another friend got out there with those signs. And their signs basically said, giant German shepherd, red, white, and blue bandana. And somebody pulled over and said, I just saw that dog. He's two blocks away. They drove around the corner, sat down on the curb, and the dog came up to him. So wow. it was a 20 miles away. But the, the importance of using proper signage on yeah. 4th of July and not giving up hope and knowing there are resources in your area to help yeah. you. And not giving up. And that's one thing I want to yeah. leave with is that as soon as you stop looking, your your odds really plummet in finding your pet. Well, Kat, thank you so much again uh, to um, participate in the Missing Cat Study. You can go to missingpetpartnership.org and just go find the Missing Cat Study anywhere in the world. Uh, really helpful for you to participate with that. Of course, Kat's book, Pet Tracker, it's a great read. Highly recommend that one. And then the Missing Animal Response Course, which you can take from anywhere. It's a webinar if you'd like to train your dog how to find lost pets, either on volunteer basis or if you'd like to do that as a business. Kat, my best to you. Happy 4th. Thanks, thanks so much for your time. It was great to have you back on the show. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.
You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.